invite, I want to invite you this morning to turn to Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, and uh, we've been going through this series of the way we walk, and uh, the last three that will be, uh, let me change that on the screen, excuse me, um, We've been going through this series about the way we walk, and the last three that we're going to be looking at is going to be talking about how we deal with others as far as in our Christian walk. And so uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at evangelism, and so we'll be looking primarily uh, at uh, the book of Mark, uh, the 10th chapter. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I hope you do, I encourage you to turn to the 10th chapter because that's where we'll be uh, looking at a lot this morning, doing a lot of reading. And so I hope you had a good week. I hope that you have, uh, again, come prepared just to be, uh, uh, to receive a word from the Lord. I pray this morning, if you are a believer, that you uh, would be encouraged uh, as far as the things that you hear this morning, that you would take and receive. Uh, we look at salvation this morning. That's why I wanted our older kids to be in here uh, as well, just to look at salvation, to understand what the Bible is telling us about that. And so for you this morning, I pray. Hope and pray each and one of you as adults, as uh, that as teenagers, as uh, older kids this morning, that we be able to examine our hearts and lives to see if we truly have a relationship with the Lord, and if we do, of how that translate to uh, how our lives translate to others, as far as how we live our lives for other people this morning. So that's the two things that we'll look at as far as in evangelism is seeing ourselves and seeing others. And so I hope that we get a chance to accomplish those things this morning. So as we, again, look at Mark chapter 10, and uh, we're going to, again, see these things as far as seeing ourselves and in uh, seeing others. And so I want to pray for us again. I just want to ask the Lord to just speak to me with all the just transitions. Speak through me this morning and use me uh, this morning in a mighty way. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. I just ask you again, Lord God, to speak to our hearts. Lord God, challenge us this morning. Allow us to see you for who you are, Lord God. Allow us to see what salvation is, Lord God, and see, allow us to see how we can use our lives for others. Lord God, again, we love you and we praise you. Speak through me this morning, Lord God. Let, let, let there be clarity of speech. Let there be understanding this morning because of your spirit and through your word. Again, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 10, we're going to start out in verse 13. And when we look at this scripture, we see Jesus speaking not only to his disciples, but we see him speaking to a large group of people. Jesus has done a lot of things up to this point. Jesus is almost at the end of his earthly ministry. He's almost at the, uh, the end of that three-year period or three-and-a-half-year period where Jesus actually begins his earthly ministry and does all these signs and wonders, all these great miracles. Jesus is doing great, marvelous things. And so at this point in time, he's almost... He's fixing to get in into the next chapter. He's going to be walking into Jerusalem for that triumphal entry and leading up to the cross. So we know it's at his very end as far as when he's speaking and doing these miracles and these things at this point in time. In the beginning of chapter 10 and in verse and in chapter 9 as well, you see that the Pharisees are asking him questions. That was the religious leaders of, the, of that day. They're trying to challenge Jesus. They're saying it not for legitimate questioning. 
But they're trying to trip him up. They're really, they're really putting a lot of pressure on him right now because they don't like the things that Jesus has done. It is going against their religion. And so when Jesus begins in, in, in chapter 10, he is, again, talking to them about family and, uh, and, and how we ought to live as, as one. And he's talking about as a husband and wife and being united and God sees them as one. And that is God's plan for us. And then when we get to verse uh, 13, he has a bunch of children that are coming to him. And let's, let's look at that real quick. In verse 13, it says, then they brought little children to Jesus uh, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased. And he begins telling, he begins to uh, speak to them. He says, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. And so you see right here, whenever Jesus is there, he's already done so many great wonders and miracles with little children. And he's allowed them to come to him. But at this point in time, the disciples have just really thought that they were doing Jesus a, 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 a service here by keeping the little children away from him. And Jesus makes it very clear to them. And for us, in order for us to experience salvation, in order for us to see uh, a relation, uh, have a relationship with God, Jesus tells us right here in this verse, he says, uh, the kingdom of God in verse 14, he says, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. So when we see ourselves as a person, just as an individual, first and foremost, we have to see ourselves, the Bible's telling us right here, in a place of a little child, meaning that we come with a childlike heart. And verse 15 says, surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child by no means enters enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. A child is very dependent. Now, especially early on in a child's life, uh, especially when you bring them home from the hospital, they don't know how to, they don't know how to act, they don't know how to feed themselves, they don't know how to change themselves. They're completely 100% dependent upon their mom and dad, mainly their mom, right? They're 100% dependent on someone else to take care of them. They, have, they, they don't stand on their own merit. They don't stand on their own two feet. They need some help, not just some help, excuse me. They need all the help in the world for them to be able to survive. And Jesus is telling here, he says, when you talk about a relationship with God, you have first have to understand that you have nothing. You bring nothing into this relationship between you and God. Let me say that again. You bring nothing into this relationship between you and God except a willingness and except an openness, except a surrendered life to him. He says you ought to come. You have to come with a childlike heart. You have to come with a childlike spirit. He says these are the people that have a relationship with God. These are the people who enter into the kingdom of God. The people who come of such. I wrote down in my Bible. The people as a little child, like in verse 15 says. They're completely solely, wholeheartedly dependent upon the Lord. Again, nothing we can hang our hat on. It's solely as a relationship, as a, as a child looking to their parents, a little infant looking to their mother for support and help is how we come to the kingdom of God. And so you think about that. You think about just the main issue that we have in our life is pride. The, the pride that we have knowing that, you know what, I can do these things. I, could, I, know, a, 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 I know that God knows me and I know him, you know, and, and if I just do enough good things or if I just do this, that's pride letting us know. 
You know, there's a lot of things in, in us when we come as far as we say we have a relationship with the Lord or that we come in to enter into a relationship with the Lord that we, we haven't been stripped all the way down. We haven't been to the point where, where we're, we see ourselves completely wholeheartedly as an infant child that, has, that is dependent on others and not independent uh, uh, ourselves. And so for us, when we come and we say, Lord, I need you, I want a relationship with you, we have to come seeing that we're in desperate need of the Lord. I said this last week as we were dismissing uh, and, and our time of response, uh, I may mention, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, it doesn't matter what situation that you may be in. For me, I was a person, I was a child that grew up in church. And there was never a time where I wasn't in church. At a young age, I made a decision for the Lord. And from that point in time, it was always, it was always a very humbling experience for me because I knew what I had. Because I, the reason I knew what I had is because I knew what my, what my parents didn't have. My parents grew up not, in a, not understanding who the Lord was at an early age. They didn't have the benefit of coming to church every single Sunday and hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ. And knowing that it wasn't about rules and regulations, but it was about a relationship with the Lord. They didn't have that privilege. And so for them, at a, uh, at, as young adults, they finally understood going through tough times and difficult situations. They finally understood they were at their lowest point. They understood what it was. To be a child and to be dependent and to have nothing to hold on to except a relationship with the Lord. And so for me, growing up in a, in a home then that raised their children in church to understand and to show and to teach about what it was to have a relationship with the Lord. For me, I had no excuse. Not as far as salvation, but to live in this life and to continue to grow and mature in the Lord and to say, you know what, I, I know better. I've been taught these things. And so for me, it's a constant reminder of how I have to have that childlike faith. Even though I've been blessed to have grown up in a Christian home and to be able to have been shown all these things, I, my heart and my place, there's still nothing that I bring to the Lord. There's nothing that I bring to Him. And so whether it was at a child or whether it was at a young adult uh, or whether it was as, as an older person, you have got to come with that childlike faith, the Bible tells us. Let's continue on in verse 17. We not only we see uh, uh, coming as yourself as a child, but also it says now uh, as he in verse 17 was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him. You can see his humbled heart and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that, may that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. God Jesus wanted to make sure that this man understood, you're calling me good teacher. That's, that, that's, a, good, that's a good name for a good teacher uh, in that day for maybe a rabbi of such. But he goes, listen, I want you to understand there's no one that's good except the one. That one being God. And so if you're calling me good, I hope you understand that you're calling me God. I want you to understand that I am God in the flesh, that I am Jesus, that I am the Messiah. That's what he's telling this man. And he says, and he, he continues on, uh, he says uh, in verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not, uh, do not uh, defraud, honor your father and your mother. Our children have been learning that. Over the last several weeks in Children's Church, they've been learning the Ten Commandments and how it applies to our lives today. 
And you know, with those Ten Commandments, we were, I was talking to Joel yesterday, and we were talking about the Sabbath day, and we were talking about the uh, keeping, keeping the commandments and those things, of how we still live in the principles of those things. Those things are still very viable and very relevant to our lives today. And so, some things have changed after the Lord Jesus Christ, the new covenant that we have in Jesus. But Jesus tells this man right here, he said, listen, there is the law. There is the things that you ought to keep. Those things point to Jesus is what Jesus is telling him here. And he goes and he says in verse 20, and he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. You know, the Pharisees, no one kept the law better than the Pharisees. You and I, we, we would look foolish this morning if we were up against a Pharisee because they would quote more Bible, especially Old Testament Bible, than we ever thought of, than we ever read properly. And, and they would be able to quote all those things. They would be able to tell us about the law. Not only the law that God had given Moses, but they would also tell you about the additional laws that they had put. You know, if the, if the Bible tells you, I can't remember the exact number of feet that it tells you you shouldn't uh, walk on the day of the Sabbath because that would be, that would be characterized at that, after those many steps as, as uh, work. They had added some provisions. They had added some uh, things, some extra safety precautions that, okay, if it says that you shouldn't walk 50 feet, then you know what? On that day, let's not even walk 20 feet just to make sure we don't cross over that line. And they were, they were so religious in their, in their rules and regulations, they were putting extra boundaries on themselves. But it was about rules and regulations. It was about religion. It wasn't about a relationship. They missed it. And so for this man, he's a young, rich ruler. The Bible kind of characterizes him as. And he is here and he says, listen, I've kept the law. I've done good. And Jesus, so clear. And I, and I pray we get a little bit of this this morning. Jesus doesn't see all the outside answers, all the things that we, you and I just hear and see. But Jesus goes directly to the heart. Jesus knew what was holding this man. He was, he, it was like a little boy that, that has his hand stuck in the cookie jar. Josh, you've been there before, right? Got this hand stuck in the cookie jar and he can't get his hand out because why? He won't let go of the cookie. Right? And so here it is right here. He's in this situation. And, and, and he says, and then Jesus looked at him in verse 21. And Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, one thing you're holding on to that you're just not letting go. He says, he says, one thing you lack, so go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. He had to see himself as a rich man in his heart. Jesus didn't want his money. If Jesus wanted to bless the poor financially, Jesus could have blessed the poor financially. Jesus didn't need his money to bless the poor financially. Let's make that very clear. But this man needed to do these things so that he could sacrifice it all. For you this morning, uh, this morning it may not be money. For you this morning, it may be, it, it may be a, a, a status that you have. I, I don't know what it is. There's something that's maybe holding you back from releasing everything. I've surrendered everything to the Lord. And this man had surrendered everything except one thing. And it kept him from a relationship with the Lord. Because in his eyes, he was rich. In his eyes, he was rich. 
But yet on this, on and maybe on earth he was rich, in heaven he was poor. In verse twenty-two it says, "But when he, when he, uh, but he was sad at his word, and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He couldn't let go of those possessions." Jesus turns and he looks around and he said to his disciples, "And I love this when Jesus, Jesus, listen, let's be reminded again. Jesus is the one talking about salvation here." He's talking to these children. He, all these adults are around in season. Jesus says, listen, you have to come like a child. You have to come completely dependent on someone else. And it needs to be me in order for you to have a relationship with God. You can't come with, uh, as far as any merit of your own. Then he says, you know what? You have to come in a very poor state to understand you're going to bring nothing to the table again through riches, through possessions of all these things. He says, you've got to come in a place that, you know what, you're just in desperate need. If Jesus doesn't come through, I'm sunk. And so this man, he says, you know what, I'm not, I'm not ready to take that road. And Jesus deals with the man. Now, I think this is very interesting, too. You don't see Jesus continuing to plead and beg and borrow for this man to understand. The man, the, everything was laid out for him to understand, and he left it sorrowful. Now, do I believe this man later on came to know the Lord? I don't know. I would like to think that he did. That playing on your mind, knowing, you know what, it doesn't have to be this way. And we'll get into this at the very end. Is because this man, as he's going to go through life, we understand the riches are not going to satisfy him. There's people tugging at him. There's people pulling at him. He's at, at, at night, the, the riches won't, won't hurt, uh, won't uh, take care of his sorrow, his loneliness. You know there's going to be problems and situations that money just won't solve and he's going to need someone. And he's always going to be reminded of the fact that it doesn't have to be this way. I couldn't trust it in the Lord. The Lord could have been there as far as my strength, as far as my guide in my life. And so, and continuing on in verse 23, Jesus turns to his disciples, and I love this, just a great teaching moment to be part of those disciples in Jesus turning and explaining these things to them. And in verse 23, it says, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. And Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who, who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus says, it's easier for that to happen. Now, an eye of a needle, uh, my daughter, Leah, she loves, she loves to sew uh, and, and she loves to deal with those little needles. Sometimes we find them all over the house. And uh, that little eye of that needle is very, very small, right? And you'd be able to just kind of put that thread. Sometimes the older you get, it's a little even harder to see to be able to put the, the, the thread in that eye of the needle. A camel. Jesus says, listen, it is harder for a, it is, it is easier for a, male, for a person to put, uh, to, for a camel to go in the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I, I use this phrase a lot. Salvation is the easiest thing that is available to you. For a person to just to simply cry out and call upon the Lord to be saved. Easiest thing. But it's the most difficult thing at the same time. Because you've got to humble yourself in such a way 
To see yourself as a child, to see yourself poor, desperate, in need of someone or something else, unbelievable. Jesus says, he gave an illustration here that's literally impossible. Verse 26, Jesus says, well, and they, and they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, how, how then can, uh, it says, who then can be saved? You're giving us a scenario that's completely impossible, and maybe it's not riches. Maybe it's something else you're holding on to. And when you, when you have possession in those things, whether it's in a name or whether it's in a privilege that you think you may have, whatever you're holding on to, who then can be saved, the disciples say? Good question. On that analogy, good question. On that, that example that Jesus gave, he gave an impossible task. And in, in the next verse, in verse 27, but Jesus looked at, uh, looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. The, thing, the very thing is, listen, the only way that you and I can be saved is through Jesus. I mean, we're talking about the... See, when we understand the camel and the eye of the needle, we understand the impossibility. But when we get very personal... And we know ourselves and we know that we are sinners. The Bible says that we're sinners, but listen, it doesn't take long. I mean, all you got to do is, is question my family. All you got to do is question my spouse, I mean, my, my wife. And, and you're going to find out just how bad of a sinner I really am. Right? I see you nodding head over there. All right. So it, we're a sinner. And, and for us to have a relationship with God who is perfect. Who is sinless. The very fact that he would enter into a relationship with sinful man, it's impossible. Because if he enters into that relationship and now we are identified in him and he would identify with us, then it would make him sinful. Why? Because it's just like taking a clear bottle of water and just putting a drop of poison in it. It, cont it, uh, it contaminates the entire bottle. And so Jesus, for God to enter into that relationship with us, it's impossible. The only way it's made possible is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When that blood was shed for us, that was the bridge. That was the gap that, grit, that got us together between us and Jesus. I mean, us and God. And so he tells us right here. He says, listen, all these things I'm telling you is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I want us to go down and look at one more in verse 46 in Mark chapter 10. And he tells us a story of this blind man, blind Bartimaeus. Now, if you go and look at some of the other Gospels, it gives, you, it gives you this story. And it talks about there was two blind men there. But in Mark, he specifically focuses on one blind person there. And he, and he, and he has his name there as well. But blind Bartimaeus in verse 46, not only did we see ourselves as a child, not only do we see ourselves as poor, but now we're going to see ourselves as even blind. And I think I said those right. Child, poor, and then now blind. In verse 46, it says, Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of uh, Timaeus, sat by the road begging. He couldn't do anything but beg. He was already poor, so poor doesn't make you a believer. He was poor. He was begging. And it says, when he saw that it was Jesus, the son 
uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Boy, son of David just has that kingly uh, name to it. Son of David, understanding that the, the, the Messiah is going to come from the son of David. Uh, understanding that the Messiah, the king of the people of the Jews, of the nations, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. He understanding that, listen, this is the son of David. This is Jesus himself. And he is the one. He's crying out to him, just have mercy on me. Have mercy. We're, he's in a desperate situation. He, he knows he has no hope. He's dependent upon others. He is poor. And, and he, he does have a childlike faith as far as uh, trusting in someone else, to be dependent upon someone else. But he's blind. He can't help himself. He's asking, he's asking Jesus, have mercy on me. Then they warned him to be quiet. And he cried out all the more. He knew this was his only hope. He was desperate. He was in need. He says, Son of David, have mercy on me. He cries out again. Verse 49, So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise. He is calling you. He is calling you. Let's understand that. You know what? There's... We as people growing up, it doesn't matter if you start to understand that as a young child... It doesn't matter if you understand it later on in your life. To know that, you know what, we've seen these things, we've heard these things. The blind man kept hearing about this Jesus, that he, he's been healing these people. He's been giving them eternal life. And for him, he knew that, that was his only shot. That was his only hope. And so he became, he became undignified. He became to the point where he was just in desperate, uh, desperate need. He didn't care what everybody else was saying about him. He was crying out to the one that he knew could do something. And so for us, if we come into our life and we start to see these things of the Lord, we start to understand those things, uh, we, we see what's happening around us, we see that God is wanting and, 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 uh, wanting and desires a relationship with us, we call out to him. Why? Because he's calling us. He's calling us. The Bible says that uh, we love him because he first loved us. He is the one calling out to us. He is the one that is uh, drawing us in. And for us to just have that opportunity, just like the rich young ruler, to either accept him or reject him. The rich young ruler in that pa uh, the earlier passage of scripture rejected him, went away sorrowful. And this man is calling out to, to Jesus. Why? Because now Jesus is calling out to him. Verse 50, and throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, which is up, shows a personal connection, personal relationship title that he gave him. That I may receive my sight. He knows, listen, I can receive my sight because of you. That's what I want from you. Verse 52, Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Listen, it's because of the faith that he had in Jesus to know that, you know what? This man is who he said he is. He is the son of God. He is the one that can heal. He is the one that can do these things. No one else can do these things. 
And his faith was in Jesus. It says, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. He was healed physically, but he was also healed spiritually. He followed after Jesus. Now, why do I say that this morning when our title of our message this morning and as we're looking at it is about evangelism? Number one, in order for us to be evangelistic, we have to have a relationship with the Lord first and foremost. That's the main thing. We have to understand what it is to really trust in the Lord with our life. We hear a lot of different things. I hear a lot of different things uh, from people. As I have counseled a lot of different people, especially adults. And as I talk to adults and deal with them, you know, and here's a person that, that has grown up in church, going back to me. I've grown up in church. I understood what it was to be a teenager. I remember being a teenager and wrestling with making the right decisions. And I remember trying to make the right decisions in the Lord. I remember being a young adult trying to make the right decisions in the Lord. Not always getting those right. But understanding of I have the power of God inside of me to be able to fight against those things and to be able to fight through those things with the power of God inside of me with his spirit. And so I'm very careful. I've been very careful and I feel like uh, try to be as sensitive as I can with my children to the Lord as far as them understanding the things of the Lord and receiving it at their time. Why? Because if you just say a prayer. A prayer doesn't save you. If you just go through motions, if you just walk down an aisle, those things won't save you. If you truly understand and come to the end of yourself, when you sacrifice everything that you know of, whatever it is, just coming in that childlike faith and really giving your life to the Lord, and you just surrender it to the Lord, and He comes in and saves you in that moment of time, He, he baptizes you with His Spirit. And so as a young child, as you go through life, you can, when you go through those different temptations, when you go through those different things in your life, you do have the power to go through those things if you have the Spirit of God in your life. And as I was going back, going back to as I've been counseling uh, older people, uh, you, you see uh, them struggle through many, many years of their life. And when you go back and deal with, okay, when were you saved? When did you have a relationship with the Lord? And they tell you, well, I prayed a prayer at this age, but there was nothing that changed. There was nothing that happened in my life. And, and, and they understand and they see that they never had a relationship with the Lord. And so they're beating themselves up because they're going through all these trials and tribulations. And they don't have the Spirit of God inside of them to fight against those things. So it's very important. It's very key for us to understand, first and foremost... Do we have a relationship with the Lord? Do we have we ever seen ourselves in that place? Have we allowed ourselves to just to come desperate in need of the Lord? No matter what situation or status that you're in. D.L. Moody said it this way as we transition. He said it, salvation, or he said Christianity, is like one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. And so for us, when we talk about evangelism, we have got to understand that we're just a beggar. We're just a sinner. And the only thing different between, between me and this lost and dying world is that I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's the only difference. And so for me, 
how foolish would it be? Because you know what? If you look at yourself as a beggar and you go and tell the other beggar where you found food, the Bible tells us that Jesus owns it all. He owns it all. He's got enough riches. He's got enough possession. He's got enough food to feed that first beggar plus the other beggar. And so for us to hold anything back as far as what God has already done in our lives and hold it back against someone else is just, just foolish. It's just selfish as a believer. So for us, for us to never forget where we've come from. I'm very thankful that whenever I go through life and I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with finances and I'm dealing with uh, being, a, being a husband and I'm dealing with career, I'm dealing with uh, being a father, um, I'm dealing with being a friend, that I have someone close to me in the Lord that I can ask questions to, that I can get directions from, that I can get help on a daily basis of how I can live my life for not only for myself, for myself, but also all these other people. And so I'm very thankful for my personal relationship with the Lord. And as I see people go through life and struggle through life, and that's just on our everyday life, that's not even talking about eternal life, of how being separated from God for all of eternity if we don't have a relationship with the Lord. And so for us, we're just always, as we're going about our day, we're going about our life, and we want to be evangelistic. I'm not telling you this morning that you have to go on the street corner or next year during the railroad festival that you have to uh, share your testimony and pass out tracts to everyone there. Maybe the Lord will lead you to do that, and that's fine. But in our everyday life, we need to remember where we've come from. We need to remember that the Lord has blessed us, and it's not because of anything that we have done. It's not because of anything that we've brought to the table. And so as we're dealing with other people, that we would be sensitive to what's going on in their life. Let me tell us this morning, let's remind us. We live and work and, and, and talk and deal with people all around us that are in desperate need of salvation. And they're really hurting this morning. They're hurting throughout the week. They may not directly tell you. But I'm, you know because of your, you read the scripture and you've been there that they're hurting and in need. You know, it's, it's the example of when, when someone is, is, uh, is on a platform or on this, uh, like, like on this stool, on this bench, and uh, I'm on top and the person's on bottom, it's easier for the person on bottom to pull that other person down. And as we're living through life, to be honest with you, I see our families and I see us as individuals struggle. You know, you think about over the last year, the people that are around you are, are, and that are not believers, are you helping them and encouraging them in their life in the Lord to be closer to the Lord? Or are they actually bringing you closer to where they are? And you examine that for yourself. That's where evangelism is. Our families, our friends, our community, they're hurting. And so for us, boy, we've been in a place of hurt. Let me say that again. I've, I've been in a place of hurt. I need, I need the Lord in my life. I'm very thankful for my relationship with the Lord. I should be sharing that with other people. And so this morning as we conclude and as we close, 
I hope as we transition, I said two things at the beginning, of seeing ourselves in this place where we can have a relationship with the Lord. And then now, if you have a relationship with the Lord, I pray and hope that you are seeing others. That's what I want our church to be. I want us, our church to be a place of evangelism, that we're really sharing the love of the Lord with other people. That it's personal things as you are going, as you are living your life. I could give us, I could get us to all stand and give testimonies this morning uh, just of what you're involved in. This church, as we dismiss this morning, we're going to go in all different directions. Not only today, but tomorrow and by the, this time next week, we, we would all have gone in so many different directions. Whether it's playing ball, whether it's a cheer, whether it's a club, whether it's just work, whatever it is, school, we're going in a bunch of different directions. And if we would be the people that God would want us to be and be reminded, we have that upon our, right in front of our eyes each and every day, that we're out there to encourage other people that they're hurting and, and lost and they need a relationship with the Lord it could really not only transform our church, but more importantly, it could transform these individuals. And so this morning, as I pray, I want us to really examine our hearts and lives this morning. I really want us to take our time this morning to be able to see, number one, do I have a relationship with the Lord? And number two, am I being evangelistic? Am I really caring for the people that are around me? So I want to take a little time this morning and pray for us.